Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. This show is so bad, Hanukkah Harry gives it to all the bad little girls and boys for Hanukkah. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining and holiday spirit-filled Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, I am your host, Brian Levine. It is, uh, boy, we are in the thick of the holiday season. And uh, just a reminder, yes, boys and girls, you cannot listen to this show unless you are of legal smoking age wherever you happen to be. So if you're not, sorry, turn it off. Go ahead. I know. All right, there we go. Uh, on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, got a visit with uh, Jeff Grasick for Ask the Pipe Maker. And then we uh, continue with the cliffhanger with, uh, with Rich Esserman and the Rich is back or Rich responds. So we've got that, a double dose of music, mailbag, and a holiday message at the end of the show. So all that coming up on this jam-packed Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Want to get me a gift? Uh, go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. That is absolutely free to do and much appreciated. And uh, while you're at it, keep sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show to all your friends and family and enemies. And, uh, yeah, just keep sharing it out. Hey, the more the merrier. All right. So we've got a uh, jam-packed show, so let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Ah, the holidays and pipe collecting, a grand tradition indeed. And there's no better place to celebrate a grand tradition than at tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Find that perfect gift for yourself or that special pipe collector on your list, or sell those tobaccos, pipes and accessories to make room for those new Christmas arrivals. Your favorite things await you at tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Cheers and happy holidays from your friends at tinbids.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us for an Ask the Pipe Maker segment is the pipe maker of J. Allen Pipes, Jeff Grasick. Jeff, we're going to talk about the most important half inch of a pipe. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Hit me. Do you know what I'm talking about already? Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe it would be the button side of a mouthpiece. Just huh. a guess. Here we go. Uh, this comes in from Quincy, and Quincy says, I've noticed on pipes I have by Dan Moustron and Dirk Heinemann that the fluting and slot in the pipe are more oval rather than like a slit. I get the coolest smokes out of them. My suspicion is that most makers use a thin line-like slot to keep the thickness of the stem down. However, 
my theory is the oval shape plus the deepness of the fluting in the pipe is causing a cooler smoke by dispersing it better. So even though the stem may be slightly thicker, the payoff is in a better smoke. Am I on something? Can you ask Jeff what he thinks? Okay, Jeff, can I ask you what you think? Sure, I'd be happy to tell you what I think. So I, I guess what we're talking about on this is an oval-esque slot versus a thin, right, straight line slot. Yeah, yeah, it's almost, uh, it sounds like uh, almost fluted like a squished trumpet horn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like your buttons or somebody maybe a little bit more rounding in the in the slot. Yeah, yeah. And so, as if if I understand it correctly, um, you know, we've got uh, to kind of put the question in context. You've got three possible ways of of making the slot or the the, the draft hole as it comes out the button end. One would be round, like old school pipes the uh, uh orific mouthpiece <laughs> the round so just hole. like a <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just a just a hole uh another would be the slot like what sh- uh, the the ones that i create and the ones that are probably the most common shape and then the more fluted style or the 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 horn uh like shape that uh he's saying dirk heineman and mm-hmm. some others uh produce um you know there are a couple americans who made mouthpieces that were like that as well. Uh, one is Mike Lindner, and the other would be Brian Ruthenberg, who I believe was inspired by Mike Lindner um, to make mouthpieces like that. And um, those mouthpieces, from what I've heard, they, they smoke very well. But just like the listener asked, the or as he, he observed, they do, in fact, end up with thicker mouthpieces. Or... You can make them thinner, but they're a little dangerous to clench between your teeth because you could damage them. So, um, you know, the question is, is it a, you know, is the, his question is the cost of having a thicker mouthpiece worth what he experiences in a cooler smoke? Um, I, (laughs) I am skeptical. I'm skeptical about the coolness of a smoke with this kind of approach. And the reason is that the difference in smoke dispersion that you have from a a slot like what I use and the horn shape like what he's suggesting, um, the difference that you would experience in the very small area of your mouth is so small that I don't know that there's any observable cooling effect. Yeah. Um, now, I think you would notice a big difference between the orific or the, the round hole <laughs> and either of the other two uh, because that is so very focused. But I, you know, color me skeptical uh, about this. You are getting to be an old curmudgeon, aren't you? I, like I am. I'm not saying yeah. now let's like to be to, to be clear. I'm not saying that that is a bad idea. Uh, someone doing that. And if mm-hmm. he if, if the listener enjoys those pipes and has found that they respond, uh, that, that he enjoys the way that they smoke, uh, then I would say keep buying them. Sounds great. And I would imagine that if you ovaled the the exit hole of the mm-hmm. stem, uh, that you would also have to somewhat oval or arch the half inch behind the stem, which is a spot that normally a lot of pipe makers try to make that as flat as possible for comfort. 
Mm-hmm. And then it would be kind of like trying to hold a bowling pin in your lips while it's yeah. round and wobbly. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit, Brian, of uh, it, it, where it would feel similar between your teeth as a P-lip from, yeah. uh, from Peterson would feel. Um, and I'm sure many, many, many of your listeners um, owns or has smoked a, um, a P-lip themselves. So personally, um, I, I find the P-lip to be more comfortable than I would have expected, but... That's because I let it hang from my mouth. If I were clenching it, it would be, to me, would be uncomfortable because it's so much thicker than what it, you, you find on the pipe yeah. that you're smoking right now at Jody Davis. Oh, you snoo- you, you're snooping on me. I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. All right. I'll put that down. It's um, a nice one. Oh, here. Is that better for you? Um, <laughs> I recognize that. Yeah. No, and I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm always interested in when, you know, when a pipe maker talks about the, uh, the air hole and the mm-hmm. diameter of the air hole going from one size in the shank to another size in the stem. And then mm-hmm. you're taking that round hole in the stem and rotating it and making the same amount of, you know, amount of volume. space or volume mm-hmm. area out of a flat air. You're, you're taking a round thing mm-hmm. and squishing it to flat. Right. Um, I guess my question for, uh, for Quincy with this would be, uh, does he have other pipes in that, in that caliber of quality? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would also subject him to, and that's why I pulled these out while we were talking I have two J. Allen sandblast pipes. They have the same identical tobacco chamber drilled because that's all Jeff has is one drill bit. That's it. That's it. It's yeah. all I can afford. Yeah. Uh, the height is different. The length is different. But these two pipes are you know, off by a quarter to a half inch of each other, and they smoke completely differently mm-hmm. because they are two unique pieces of wood. One's older than the other one. One's younger than the other one. Um. You know, so I would lean towards, I want that flat spot. So that way it gives me the option of clenching and or hanging, Mm -hmm. which I do a little bit of, I I do a semi clench hang because you can Mm -hmm. see as we're talking, the pipe is wiggling in my mouth. So it's not locked down completely tight. Uh, so I would be worried about that. I would be worried about the, I'm remembering my, uh, my Brian Ruthenberg pipes of the past Mm -hmm. and how they seem to be a little thinner feeling in the mouth mm-hmm. a little uh, flexy between your teeth right yeah 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 and and a little susceptible to uh tooth dents mm-hmm. uh because he was trying to make them as thin as possible but yet have that oval-esque hole in there right um with that ovaled hole are they do you think they're able to get the fluting deeper into the stem and start it further back or I, you know, I, it, it'd be really hard for me to say without seeing the pipe right. in person. Um, now, I mean, I think it's, you know, anything's possible. So you, you could certainly, um, extend that. So you could extend that back on the, uh, uh farther into the mouthpiece so that it's directing the smoke in a, in a broader, right. um, in a broader range than it would if it were kind of flat and just flared on the top and the bottom at the end. Um, cause that's like, to me that, that strikes me as maybe what, what I just suggested where you could maybe open it up 
on the top and bottom to, you know, create that oval shape in the last eighth of an inch or so, so that the thinness would only be at the button, but not yeah. behind the button. But again, I, I just wonder how effective that would be for what Quincy is suggesting, which is that it, it produces a cooler smoke, at least, you know, to his mind. So, you know, that, that it, it's a quandary because... Yeah. Like you presented, you can have two nearly identical pipes or identical pipes, and they will perform very, very differently than one another. And because they're, you know, for such a simple device, <laughs> there's still enough <laughs> variation uh, within them, whether it's dimensions or uh, how long you've owned it or what you've smoked in it previously, how much you've smoked it. Um, where the briar came from, all of these things can have some effect on the performance, and it's very, very difficult to isolate uh, and control for what those variables uh, contribute to the to the end result or the end product. Yeah. So basically, I think what we're saying is, if, <laughs> I'm if, saying I don't know. <laughs> if you like it, that's great. Right. If right. you're if you're not getting a good experience out of it, that's not great. Right. And I think if Quincy wrote in and said, I'm getting uh, here is how the pipe is made and it smokes terrible. Should more people do this? We would say no. No. <laughs> but but if he is saying, here's here's what I'm experiencing and I really like it. I'd say, well, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Buy yeah. more. And and we, and we might want to warn him that, uh, you know, if he starts looking for more oval air holes, uh, the results may not be the same on the next pipe. Mm -hmm. and that, but it's worth the experiment. And so, you know, if you um, if you have two very nearly identical pipes and, you know, one has that mouthpiece and one has another one, then, you know, give it a go. Uh, you know, this reminds me, Brian, of uh, an experiment I did with a client um, a year or so ago. Is the client um, still alive? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, the, I, so the client. I can tell you who it is. It, it's it's not a mystery. I I posted on my uh, Instagram about it. It was Rick Newcomb, and Rick had picked up an older pipe or two that had that round, um, orific mm -hmm. mouthpiece, and he really liked the way that it smoked, and it kind of belied all of his experience that he had with <laughs> the you know the mouthpieces like I make. So he commissioned a pipe and he said, make two mouthpieces, make one your normal style and one that's shaped on the outside like yours, but it has that hole through it. And so Ooh. I did. He I... smokes both of the mouthpieces. He said they both smoke great. He doesn't have an opinion on like whether one smokes better than the other, which I find really fascinating. He's like, they, I mean, they do smoke differently, but my theory is that is more to do with in order to make the horrific mouthpiece... All, to make it thin, the airway had to be smaller. And so what he's experiencing, the difference he's experiencing is the constriction of the airflow through yeah. that that smaller hole and that mouthpiece smokes differently than a more open mouthpiece like what I normally make. So now what he needs to do in order to complete this test is have the same stem fitted to mm -hmm. two different bowls of two different uh stumbles mm -hmm. that are identical in size so that way you can really see what the difference is between the you know two random pieces of wood right 
Right. And I've, I've actually thought about doing those, those experiments before because, um, you know, I mean, the, the question comes up now and again. Of course, the problem is that I would need to have um, a sponsor or two who would be, <laughs> who would be willing to foot the bill for me to put something like this together. Because otherwise, I, I, I look at the project or think about the idea and think, or I could make income today. <laughs> Dear mortgage company. I can't yeah, pay exactly. you, but I've got this great experiment that I did this month. <laughs> exactly. But think of the R&D. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've answered that, so uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, here comes installment number two of uh, Rich Responds. The pipe itself has radically changed uh, my collection. And the, the one that really sticks out in, in that case, which is the pipe itself, was in 2001, all of a sudden on eBay. And I was just getting started on eBay in 2001. Um, was this pipe, a Dunhill from 1925, and it was sold in 27, was called an ODG. So G is the great, OD is the you know, home designer, and then G is, yeah. which is, no one ever heard of it. It's a gigantic pipe for, the, for, for Dunhill. <laughs> I never heard of it. No one, everybody was shocked about it. And my friend John Loring, who uh, helped me out because he used to have a program that he, that you know, you could, uh, it's like East Snipe, but there wasn't East Snipe at the time. Helped me win that pipe. And my friend Sam Barnett talked to another guy who was doing some heavy bidding out of bidding anymore. At it. <laughs> and it was like, I, it was a group thing and I got the pipe uh, and that really changed my perception about what Dunhill could make. And then I even got bigger ones than that pipe. But that pipe was, was really an important pipe. You know, so so that that kind of thing, like, how can you you can't explain that kind of excitement to anybody no. outside of pipes? You know, when you're talking about a pipe, like when you get something special, Brian, and it's just phenomenal piece. You know, it, it has way more meaning than just it's a pipe. You know, you could be looking for this particular piece for years, and it just comes along. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows up, and it was like it was meant to be. Right. No, I have yeah, that. So, yeah. I ha I have yeah, that one right. little. Uh, I have that one little red Sato bent brandy that completely changed my pipe collection. Uh, because up until, up until that pipe, most of most of my pipes were American, Italian, or English. They were six inch long, five and a half inch long they were canadians and lavats it they were straight as an arrow all of them and then i get this one little bent you know, sl you know quarter bent brandy that's completely different looking than everything else 
and I was off to the races. Yeah, changed my collection completely. Now why? Why did why why was that pipe? Why did that pipe change your collection? Uh, because I figured out. I, I well, <laughs> first of all, it smoked really well, and I figured out how to real how to really make it smoke even better. Uh, I figured out what kind of tobaccos it really liked. Mm-hmm. And over the next, you know, five, six, seven years, I just started watching for more and more Sato's as I understood what the smoking characteristics were of his pipes. And it's his characteristic is completely different than what I get out of the other pipes. Uh, both are, you know, completely enjoyable. Uh, and then I had the pleasure of getting a chance to meet him and have dinner with him and spend time with him. <laughs> and here is the here is the deal. You know, here's the the thing that sealed the deal is he's a sweet, humble, wonderful man. Uh, you, you know how you get you know you know they always tell you don't meet your heroes. Well, yeah. You know I met him and I was really worried. Because I had a bunch of his pipes, and what happened? What would happen if he wasn't? You know, <laughs> what would happen if the experience no. was bad? But the experience made it even better. And I will tell you that I've had some, you know, I've had some not so kind experiences with people in this yep. hobby, in, mostly on the industry side. And those uh, experiences will um, taint the way I feel about the product. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And, you know, the thing is, you, you mentioned something that, again, where we, if you talk about uh, Fred Hanna's mind, and I, and I think that he's, he has changed somewhat, as I have changed somewhat. But you mentioned that, you know, your Sato pipes have a particular way of smoking. Yeah. And that is not, and that is not by accident. So when I when I when I when I when I was talking about like when you see his stamp on the pipe, what does it mean? You're not buying it because because of the the stamp or whatever. You're buying it because you, it represents that stamp represents something that you're about the pipe that you're expecting that it makes it unique. Yeah, and that's like when I say when I see a Costello pipe, you know. I know behind that is a, a tremendous amount of tradition, tremendous amount of skilled workers, and so on and so forth. And Franco Coppo, who I've talked to before, just a little for a little bit, you know, and and you know, I mean, I've just seen that stuff over the years. So to me, it's what's behind the brand that really counts. It increases it's not, it's not the, the brand. The brand increases if. If you have, if you enjoy the brand and then you see the brand again, that increases your likelihood that you're going to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed because I've owned some Satos that I no longer own. Uh, size was wrong for me. Shape was wrong for me, whatever it was. Uh, you know, couldn't get the pipe to, uh, couldn't get the pipe to smoke for me. So that, so I don't own them anymore. Uh, you know, wasn't, it but you go through this process where you are constantly evolving and if you don't continuously 
you know, evolve and nurture that, then you get, yeah, if I, if I didn't keep trying stuff and keep moving, I'd get bored and probably quit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you. I, uh, you know, and it's like I say, when I say I collect on Hillcoat, I only collect certain brand, certain, certain styles, certain sizes. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not into, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, I only want the biggest Costellos and you know, they're rare. In fact, I was just talking to somebody the other the other day about I got I have a few what they call four by fours, four by four or three sixty uh, bird's eye is where the grain radiates. If you look at the top of the pipe, the grain radiates out in all different directions. Yeah, and and what that does is on the on the panels, it leads to theoretically. I have a couple that are not as great as others, but they lead to like bird's eyes on all the panels. And so, you know, that's, that's something that I look for. And, and I, and I looked at one recently, it's a very old piece, but it'd be too hard to smoke because it's really canted. It's very large. Although I like to like to get it. I, I don't, I don't get a pipe. I can't smoke, but that's the kind of thing. So, you know, who, who has seen that grain a lot, not too many people. But it's something that I look for and something that is very unique and very interesting to me. And the same thing, you know, um, when I'm looking, when I'm looking at anything, I'm looking just for something that really, first of all, captures my, my, my eye, you know, I mean, yeah. and you can't, sometimes people say, well, you know, I've, I've worked with certain pipe makers, you know, they've made certain shapes that I like bents, full bents and the, you know, and, and, they're off a little bit. And so I'll sit down and uh, talk to them a little bit and I'll say, Hey, you know, the reason why your shape isn't working out is because you're starting the bend too early in the, is it coming off the bowl? It's not, it's, it's, and so we can have a discussion about it, but my mind, see, that's one of the things in my mind, I can, I visualize what I really want. And those are the pipes that when I see them, regardless of the brand, are of interest. You know, but how many pipes can you own and <laughs> smoke them all? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the whole thing. In other words, I could buy more pipes, but does it really add? If I buy a pipe and I smoke it twice, does it do anything for me? And we will take a break right here and be back with uh, Rich in just a moment. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line, to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and here is uh, part two of this week's installment of uh, The Rich is Back. You know, even though it's a good pipe, you know, I want to, I always want to be able to look at that pipe and say, geez, I like to smoke it now. I mean, I smoke it now, but it, it's, it's always of interest. So you let know? me, let me get your response to a couple of these questions that I propose, uh, that Fred proposed to me and Fred and I. Uh, Fred and I dissected. Sure. Uh, first off, what what is your favorite finish? Rusticated, blasted, or smooth, and and why? Um. Well, that that question. If I smoked, if let me put it this way, if I collected smaller pipes, I would go with a smooth finish. And I'll get back to that in a second, but. When you go with larger pipes like I like, the chances of getting a smooth, really nicely grained pipe yeah. diminishes. So you can get the perfect straightening. Yeah, if it's one and three quarters, you know, perfect. You know, you can get a great straight grain, even up to like up to about two and a two and a uh, uh, and a quarter inches. You can still generally find pipes that have really good grain. Once you start getting above two and a half inches, it becomes much, much more difficult, like to the tune of like when you say it's a, it's a hurricane, it's a one force as opposed to a four force. It isn't just four times greater. It's like a lot greater. Yeah. So what I've discovered is I like my favorite finish is a, is a really high quality sand list where the, the wood, it brings out the character of the wood. It doesn't have to be, you know, a perfect straight grain or a perfect cross or a perfect anything. But I like a lot of interest. I don't want to get bored looking at the pipe. You know, it could be a perfect ring grain and you look at it and everything's good. But then you get another one where like there's swirls and there's depth and, there, and there's really like, looks like the, the pipe's going to explode. A volcanic reaction is coming. Those are the <laughs> kind of things that I really like the best. I like a car piece too. But not everybody can do carving well. You know, I like the depth of Costello carving, but I don't like other, other, a lot of other Italian people who carve. They were, the, it's, a, it's just the, it's, a, it's the same all over. There's no interest to me. And then, of course, when I buy a smooth pipe, if I can get a big one, you know, that, that's like a, that's like a great, like I picked up a Costello that just stamped Fiamatis. It's a special edition, and that pipe is beautiful. You know that pipe. I'm I'm glad I got it, but it's it's. I'm not gonna. There can't. There isn't a lot of them, so you got to go with what really is of interest in that sampler. So you've got the restriction of the of of what the raw material will yield because, you know, finding a finding a bowl the size of a pirate's peg leg. Yeah, you know, or a piece of wood that big to make your bowl and stent and shank with. Um, so that kind of restricts you. But I also imagine that a, uh, you know, a very large straight grain pipe is going to be exponentially more expensive than a very large sandblast. Yeah, that's true. I remember years ago, um, you know, talking to a few makers, and I always tell I always told them I want I want the pipe sandblast because. 
yeah, the cost of a smooth pipe, again, you're right, it would be like double or triple sometimes what a sandblast would be. And to me, you know, the graining on it, like I say, is, is it, on smaller pipes, and I used to have smaller pipes when I lived in upstate New York many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. I would come home for lunch, and I went after straight grains, wonderful cross grains. You know, I'd smoke them for lunch, lunch pipes. And, um, you know, and even, and even the pipes at the time were not necessarily huge. You know, like Daniel, I'd get an ODA, and I'd look for that phenomenally grain, cross grain, ODA or something like that. I was never really into, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm the opposite of Fred. I'm not real. I, I think he makes a mistake. The, the grain should be going horizontally yeah. in the front and the back of the bowl, and the bird's eye should be on the side <laughs> as opposed to the top or bottom. Just joking. Uh, you know, but to me, to me, I mean, I've had some really great straight grains, but I, I like a cross grain better than a straight grain, to be honest with you. You're, you're weird. But that's okay. We, we still love you. Um, how about how about this one? Because you've been active in writing, and the you know the the original social media for pipe smokers was Tom Dunn's Ephemeris. Uh, how has the internet enhanced the pipe hobby or damaged the pipe hobby? That that's a, a really broad question, and and I'll answer it like this. You know, back in the day when when all we did was, you know, have written materials, and the, and the ephemeris was a very important, if not the most important thing that ever was produced. And we all sat by candlelight after Pa got the got the uh, cattle back in the barn for the yeah, night. Yeah, Pa got the cattle back in, and yes, sir, we're, we yeah. gotta we gotta go and milk the cows in the morning, so we gotta go to bed now. Yeah, um, type of thing, uh, you know. But when I when I first started to read the ephemeris, uh, it was mostly um, you know people writing in about pipes that they smoked and they were looking for this pipe or that pipe and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh, super factual material. Um, and I was always into you know I, I I'm interested in not just the pipe but the stamp and when it was made and how it was made and materials used and so on. And so I began writing about that, and all of a sudden, in the uh, people were clamoring for information, and I was getting a lot of information. So uh, my stuff became interesting to people because they were learning things about, you know, the the pipe itself and the manufacturing processes. And we would discuss theory of collecting and what to collect and how to collect. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden, the internet came along in the in the late 90s and started real people were in the, these pipe groups and um i was only uh, for you know on the, on the outside of those groups i really wasn't heavily involved in them although i did read some of the stuff and then um you know we the internet came along now the, the good thing about the internet is a i can see more pipes let's say i collected peterson I could see more Petersons on any given day. Yeah. If I went to Smoking Pipes, eBay, Smoking Pipes Europe, any any and any other place. In one day, then probably I would see for my whole lifetime. Yep. 
going to a brick and mortar. I mean, people don't really understand that. You know, if you're if you're newer, you're that's the way your life's always been. You know, Costello. You know, I can always I could go online and look at 300 Costellos in a heartbeat. Where years ago you couldn't get, uh, you know, if you got one Costello in your shop during the year, you did good. Yeah. You got two or three, wow. And I would go to Wally Franks in Manhattan, and they would have like eight of them, which is the importer Halco's retail. And and it's like, oh my goodness, you know. But on the other hand, what it does is it it, it also and it, and allows a lot of communication. So the internet, first of all, a lot of visibility, and you can you know you can check out a million pipes. You can read about what people are saying, good or bad, and that and that's that's really a problem. And it's a good point, but the problem is that people just write. I remember there was a fellow um, who was concerned about whether or not he he's a high end collector, but he was reading some blog or something about or some post about how, you know, the the new you know Richard Dunhill the white spot is not really a Dunhill. <laughs> not really a Dunhill. What are you talking about? Because the nomenclature is different or whatever. And I'm saying, whoever wrote that doesn't have any idea about anything. Because if you go back in time, the Dunhill nomenclature has changed about 20 times <laughs> over, uh, over, over the lifetime, at least. And what are you talking about? So, so it's it's these kind of things that that sort of bug me, and you know, it's in people make blanket statements, and I I know you don't want to get into to vintage tobaccos, but I'll just mention when people Uh-oh. say, you know, it gets flat on Latakia gets flat after five years, and Virginia's maybe eight years, and does, and I want to I just want to ask them one thing. How many of these blends have you actually smoked that are 20 and 25 years? I think there should be like a, a thing that you have to answer. Have you smoked 100, 5, you smoked 1? You know, you can always get a flat tin. I remember one time, and just talk about Fred. So Fred likes uh, market rich black and white. That's his thing. Yep. So he says, hey, you got to try this. So he opens up a new tin. And I smoked it, and it was like flat. But it happens. And then they open up another tin at a different show, and it was phenomenal. So, you know, I mean, whoever thought, really, that if you asked a pipe maker 50 years ago, they one of their tins is not going to be open for 50 years. They look at you like, what are you, nuts? <laughs> you know, but the yeah. thing is, so anybody's opinion, you know, can rise to the fore, and, you know, it, what's common knowledge becomes knowledge because someone wrote about it three times or eight times or 20 times but so you, that's the thing but you know you should really you know go back like i view myself sometimes as like a time traveler because i'm reading stuff that's 30 40 years old and i'm reading new stuff today and you know you go back and forth because you're gonna really you gotta really read about the history of a brand got to really understand it. But you're okay if I tell you in my experience, 
with a couple of different blends that I know very well that I find that they get too that they get too smooth over time. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right, it's just the, Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. That I mean I, I'm interested if people and now the thing is, you know, again, it wasn't that way years ago, but now it's it's like the common thing to do is to, you know, put tobacco away and let it age for five years or ten years or whatever it is. Look, you know, years ago people didn't do that. No. You yeah. know, five years, like when I got into it and I learned a little bit, you know, three to five years was the time you ate something, and then I discovered that if you ate it a little more, it becomes better. But you're right. I mean, look at I, I look at um, you know I listen to what Fred Janusic uh, had to say about his uh, favorite uh, life lake. He doesn't like it after five years, yeah, because it starts to turn dark, <laughs> and he doesn't like the taste of it. And, and I mean, let, that's interesting to me. Yeah. And, and let's just admit it. All right, when you started putting tobaccos away, you weren't doing that for aging. You were doing that so that your wife didn't see how many tins you actually bought. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so if I if I tell you, uh, you know, Rich. I love my I love my Acadian ribbon and I love a scudo, but as they get older, they lose some of that strength that I look forward to. You're okay with that, uh, and I well, and and then I blanketly apply that to all the other Virginia Perique blends because I like that intensity of the Perique and the and the Perique tends to smooth out over time. Yes, the Perique, it depends, Brian, on the Perique, because, you know, I have some older tins that the Perique has really, when it when it, it was new, it wasn't like that, but the Perique really took over the blend. You know, the old, the old Perique that was, you know, you couldn't you barely, you know, smell it. I, <laughs> let alone people say, well, I smoked the old Perique. Yeah, you smoked it. If you did, you'd have it turned green after three puffs. That that Perique can take over a blend, yeah. and that Perique can 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 remain strong. Um, but you know the thing is, again, it's it's your it's your taste that is that uh, is is impacting how you how you're viewing something. And I, there's no there's no issue to me. I mean, everything is subjective. Whether you whether you think this pipe smokes great or this doesn't or whatever it is. You know, I like to hear what people have to say, but I don't want to hear about, you know, all, you know, Latakia turns flat after five years. <laughs> because all I do right now, for the most part, all I do is smoke Latakia blends that are like the minimum 15 years old. You know, that's because I, I put it away, you know, as you say, so my wife didn't find out. <laughs> That was fine, but you know, I just bought them for you know to, to save, and I and I, and as I discovered um, many years ago, when I remember, I remember I got a tin of uh, Mister Alfred's own, which is Dunhill mixture in a gold can. After it had been stopped being produced by Dunhill, and I got some old, and I opened it up, and I said, "What the heck is this? This is wow! This is great." You know, and then I, I started to realize that maybe 
he's how old could this can be? About 15 years old, maybe 15, 20 years doesn't hurt to blend and you know so on and so forth. Well, I get into detail, but I but like I like to hear if because I there's a few Virginia Preaks that I, I mean I like to hear your opinion on it because you're an expert in that particular type of tobacco. Well, I don't know if I'm an expert, but I'm experienced. <laughs> but no, the, the, the thing that gets me about the internet is that I will oftentimes see people in forums or Facebook groups or wherever saying, well, another guy told me, and then, you know, it's like when my kids would come home and I, and I'd ask them, you know, something, you know, well, somebody told me, and I'm not, don't tell me somebody, tell me a name, you know, give me a name, give me something to reference back to. But I do see people in forums oftentimes or in comments you know, saying, well, I heard on another forum or whatever that this is da-da-da, and you give no reference to support it. Yeah, a, Yeah. no, I mean, it, it just, again, it's what I call the common knowledge thing. Yeah. You know? and, and, the, and the common knowledge is based on no one's knowledge. It's what I heard that you heard that I heard that she said that he said, and that, and that kind of thing, you know, I just ignore it, Yeah, but, but, the, I, but it does impact what a lot of people think though. But the moral, the moral of the story is the internet has made, uh, pipes and tobaccos more available to us because we don't just rely on our brick and mortar or waiting for the, uh, waiting for the catalog to show up where there's limited amount of pages. Um, at the same time, you know, I guess I would just say to that guy, to the people that are quoting someone, uh, don't quote someone, go on your own journey and figure it out yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. In other words, what I, what I say to people, and this is what I try to do is I try to get into their own shoes. Yeah. Get into their shoes, not mine. It's like I used to coach a lot of people in in weightlifting and powerlifting, and I was a powerlifter and so on. You got to understand who they are, because it's not one size fits all kind of situation. And that's the same way with pipes. Like if someone says to me, like say for instance, a friend of mine. So I get, you know, people ask me a lot of times, you know, what pipe should I get? Or I'm thinking about this, and I'll recommend, like a friend of mine wanted to get a bent. He's a straight, smokes mostly, mostly straights, like he has hundreds of straights. But he was interested in getting, so I said to him, you know, you like Dunhills? I said, look for a Dunhill 120. You can go on eBay. They got it. There's always a 120 on there. And he found this 120. And it was a, it's a full bent from 1969, I think it was, in a Briere. And I looked at that and I said, wow unsmoked this is a beautiful pipe and the weird thing is is that um it had great grain on it it had really terrific straight grain and it could have been a dr in my opinion so i said this is the pipe that is really beautiful you know if you like it go for it you know i didn't tell him to buy it but you know i told him if you like it if you like it and he bought it and he sent me some it's a beautiful pipe you know, but you got it. But I, I, it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> you see, and that's one of the things that I enjoy listening to what other people have to say. And what, for instance, what you say, even though 
We don't smoke the same t- type of pipes. We don't smoke the same type of tobacco. But I like to hear about your experiences because they impact they and I get enjoyment out of that. And that is where we will stop this installment of uh, Rich Esserman or The Rich is Back. And we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike. And our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan. And for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it is the middle of Hanukkah, the week before Christmas. All chaos is going on, and everybody's getting all ready for... uh, for Santa to come and all that. So we've got a double dose of holiday music because we all need a double dose of holiday music, right? Uh, and the first one we have is uh, a song that is from an artist named Larry Norman. And this comes from Jim. And he says, Brian, I'm confident you've never listened to Christmas Time by Larry Norman, a fun social commentary on the trappings of Christmas. So for part one, we have uh, Christmas Time by Larry Norman. Christmas time 
album in 1973 and thanks to Jim for sending that in and the next one is uh, recommended by uh, Steve Webb past guest and uh, podcaster professional podcaster and he writes hi Brian happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and the same to you Uh, you asked for music suggestions here's mine Uh, it's from an independent singer songwriter from Winnipeg Canada whose name is Kat Youngke it's spelled J-A-N-K-E. And it's and uh, Steve says, I've been playing her music on my podcast since the early days, probably since 2004 or five. She's tremendously talented in songwriting, singing, and producing. Uh, if you check out her YouTube channel, I think you'll agree with me. Uh, he says, my wife, the lovely lady Leanne, and I had the opportunity to take Kat to dinner in San Diego a few years ago when she was visiting. Uh, and uh, not only is she talented, but she's a very friendly and down-to-earth person. Uh, the track I'm sending you is from her Christmas album, O Divine, O Night Divine. And then he goes on to say, great interview with Rich Esterman on episode 535. He's always fun to listen to. Uh, all the best to you and yours, and congrats on your great success with the Las Vegas Pipe Show with my seven-day-a-week podcast. I was not able to attend perhaps next year. Blessing Steve Webb, the OG Godcaster. So here is Cat uh, Yonke's O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks 
a new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, night divine Oh, night When Christ was born Oh, night Oh, holy night Oh, night divine Led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing by his cradle we stand Soul led by light of a star sweetly gleaming Here came the wise men from Orient land The king of kings lay thus in lowly maid in all our trials Born to be our friend Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, now Oh 
absolutely beautiful. And uh, thank you, Steve, for sending that in. <laughs> and remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian at PipesMagazine.com, B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. Or you can go over to iTunes and leave a rating or, or a review, just like uh, B. Johansson did uh, B. Johansson 21 did, and he says, an awesome podcast I can't live without. I've been listening to the show uh, quite a while now and wanted to do my part and write a review. It's the least I can do for being provided this wonderful content for free. This show has been invaluable to me through my pipe, throughout my pipe smoking. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And uh, let's see, Johnny Waken writes... Uh, look forward to every episode. Hi, Brian. Really enjoying the latest segments on what tobacco folks are enjoying these days. Thank you for keeping this show always entertaining as well as professional and iconic. Happy pipe smoking, Johnny Waken. Johnny, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Trying to get a couple more folks in for the uh, what are they uh, smoking nowadays. And then going back to last week's show with uh, Chris Morgan, Dino writes two very interesting listener questions that you handled quite well. Catching up with Chris Morgan was a lot of fun. The story of Bones Pipes was fascinating and almost overwhelming in its scope. Bravo, Chris, and his insightful, honest view of the community is refreshing. Uh, Dino says the Huron Carol was stunningly beautiful. The Bruce Cockburn version in the original Huron language has been a favorite of mine for many years. The second selection was, well, meh. <laughs> By the way, their drummer needs to switch to decaf. <laughs> yeah. Another perfectly on point rant. I'm shocked, shocked at how many male Karens have cropped up in recent years. Hag Hanukkah Sameach to you, our Jewish friends. Thanks for a wonderful show, Dino. Uh, Dino, you're welcome. And uh, one of the things I love about music is uh, the uh, varied, you know, the varied styles and different flavors of it. Uh, and then uh, Bryant writes. Uh, another great show as always i enjoyed the question from jim the pipe rookie about the good old blends and so forth it makes me very grateful to be in a time where i have access to so many delicious quality blends from around the world your second newbie greg had a very good question about bowl sizes and their effects on the smoking experience your show really hammered that point home to me and i'm now much more aware of the particular pipes i have that work better for certain blends. Your interview with Chris Morgan was also very interesting. I haven't gotten to the original yet, but this one was very entertaining. I have a couple of Bones pipes and I really like them. As you mentioned in an earlier episode, they have several engineering features you usually find on much more expensive pipes. Uh, your two musical selections were excellent on their own merit and collectively represented a very diverse experience. The first one from Mike the Huron Carol instantly got my attention as the oldest Christmas carol in Canada. The history nerd in me is activated by such things as a song written in 1643. And the second piece by August Burns Red was good in a very different way. That reminded me of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but with a little, much, <laughs> a little too much caffeine. Yes, there is such a thing as too much coffee. Thanks for another great episode, and stay warm, and keep up the good work. Best regards, Bryant. Thank you, Brian. I think you and Dino may be talking to each other. Maybe. 
Uh, and then this one from Clint. Clint writes, I'm fairly new to the radio show, but I've really enjoyed it so far. Please accept my deepest condolences on the passing of your aunt. She sounds like she was a wonderful and powerful woman, and I'm sure she'll be greatly missed. A few episodes ago, you mentioned that you take your unwanted blends to your local pipe club. I moved to North Carolina this last summer and was under the impression that there weren't any active pipe clubs in the state. Silly me, haha. I'm not terribly far from Charlotte and would love to check out the pipe club sometime. Uh, some friends and I are in the very early stages of starting our own pipe club in the Greensboro area. I know it's a bit of a drive from Charlotte, but you and any of your listeners are more than welcome. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm easiest to reach via email. Thanks for the show and keep up the great work. Happy holidays. Sincerely, Clint Brown, a.k.a. the Vulpine Piper. Uh, all right, so Clint, here's what I want you to do. Uh, email me when you are having a, when you've got a meeting scheduled or a gathering scheduled and also go on to pipesmagazine.com and go under the pipe clubs, uh, heading on the forums and post it there, please make sure and do that. Uh, and let's see, uh, Lee's 65 GTO says, uh, just bought my first Morgan bones. They look very nice and interesting. So I thought I would try one to see how it smokes. Haven't smoked it yet. It's a Christmas gift from my wife with my input. Can hardly wait to try it. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Hawkeye Linus says, always fun to listen to folks who are making a living doing what they enjoy and what a great story at the and what a great story at the price. How can I not check out a bones pipe? So just ordered one and a couple for gifts as well. Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> yeah. And then the original nutcracker says great show again, Brian new appreciation of my few bones pipes and uh frawl fog says received a Morgan bones porch sitter with lightning finish from my brother as a birthday gift last year. Wonderful smoking, handsome pipe. It's a lot of love for the bones pipes. And then finally, Brian Bar, uh, Brian, who spells his name with the correct I, says, uh, Brian, Merry Christmas. Just heard about your show and just wanted to thank you and your guests for your expertise. Kind regards, Brian. Well, Brian, you're welcome. And uh, lots to get caught up on. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, great time to do those. Love those for Christmas. Really do appreciate them. And in just a moment, instead of a rant time, just an annual Christmas message. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345. 
and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. care if you wish me happy hanukkah merry christmas happy christmas happy new year whatever it is as long as it's from the heart i'll take it and we'll send it all back to you so wishing you all the best a happy hanukkah merry christmas and all that for this holiday season we'll end the show with the song that uh, we've played several times for christmas so here we go